Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 156 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, and you may notice the podcast is out on a different day today. We have switched to Tuesday uploads. Don't ask me why. There wasn't a huge amount of thinking behind it, but you may have noticed uh, over the last few weeks since I've been back for my month off, this podcast hasn't been the most consistent, and I thought, what better way to get back into consistency than to change something up? So every Tuesday morning, I'm gonna be back in your ears, and on this Tuesday morning... I'm back with two episodes. I mean, what a way to be back into the swing of things with not one episode, but two. Now, the reason that there's two episodes coming out today is because the topic that I'm talking about this week is quite a big one. Uh, I'm gonna be sharing more about my experience of trolling and online bullying. It is something that I first experienced just over a year ago in my business and something that sadly I have experienced since and continue to experience. And it's something that I haven't really shared much about online. First of all, because my my priority needed to be looking after myself and feeling safe and you know making sure that I was okay. And second of all, because I'm incredibly conscious that with a topic like this, speaking out about it can actually add fuel to the fire. For a while I thought it's not something I'll talk about publicly, I'll kind of keep it as an internal experience, but the more that I thought about it and the more I had conversations with people who were very fearful of this experience, the more I realized that silence only allows the fear to feel bigger and to feel more paralyzing. So as the mission of this podcast suggests, I wanna start the conversation about something which definitely isn't a very spoken about or kind of glamorous side of running a business, which is being trolled online and people not always being the kindest and not always being supportive of what you do. The podcast episode that you're about to listen to is a very raw and chatty conversation with Jess, who has walked with me through a lot of what's happened over this last year. So this is just my personal account of how it started, uh, why I think it started, and just a bit of chit chat between Jess and myself about online trolling as a whole. So this is part one, and I will let you actually listen to the episode in a second, Um, but I didn't wanna leave it there. It felt important to me to not just share my own experience, but also give you something that you can perhaps take away and kind of action yourself. So I have done a second episode today, um, which is sharing five of the things that have really helped me over the last year um, to kind of walk myself through this experience um, and kind of limit the negative impact that it's had on me. I am intending to sit down with an expert on the topic, but the timelines of that just didn't work out to get it out at the right timing with this episode. And it just didn't feel right leaving this episode because it felt quite fresh when I recorded it and I didn't want to not have something alongside this episode which was a little bit more actionable um, and a little bit more than just my story. So part two is also up. I'd really encourage you to go and listen to that off the back of this episode and this definitely isn't the end of the conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. I'm always open to yeah continuing the conversation over on Instagram, over on LinkedIn so I'll share both of those uh, links below but this has been a very chat the intro. Uh, I guess I'm slightly delaying letting you listen to this conversation because it feels pretty raw, but I think this is the right thing to do. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is an honest conversation about my experience of being bullied online. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 156 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham. My voice is slightly less husky than it was in the last episode. I'm pleased to update you. Uh, And I'm here with this week's co-host, interviewer, 
person. Housemate, <laughs> Jess. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> I was thinking just before we recorded this, the last time we recorded an episode together, which was also the first time we recorded. Oh no, no we've we done another one. Yeah, we did. we've done two. We have, but the first ever episode we did together was at this house. Yeah. First time we'd ever met. I know. And now two years on, I live with you and we're recording this episode. I'm very persuasive. <laughs> you really are very persuasive. What a two years it's been. But there is genuinely no one else that I think I'd want to have join me for this episode. Oh, you said I might cry on this podcast and here we go. <laughs> oh, the waterworks are coming. <laughs> well, I think it's the kind of episode where it, it sounds like it should be a solo episode. But the thought of sitting down, I just feel like I'd kind of spiral mm. a bit and it would probably end up a bit weird. And uh, I just don't think it would be the best. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think being inside and outside of your brain talking about this is necessary i think having i think having someone there to i think so say mediate i feel like you're the mediator <laughs> i'm gonna be the one that's Maybe like you're the one that's gonna need the, the yeah, structure yeah. but i think i talk a bit like this i mean we talk about it a lot of like you know we we often say like instagram isn't therapy like my podcast isn't therapy so i think having this conversation with someone else where it can be more of a conversation than like here's all my thoughts and feelings blah 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 and also having this conversation a year on from when it first happened when hopefully if you're listening to this episode it's because i feel like it's full of enough hindsight and this is as i say a wound not, not a scar. scar wait damn it other way around scar this is a scar not a wound if anyone doesn't know that analogy when figuring out what to share online, like how vulnerable is it? Should I talk about this? I quite like the question. And I think I got it from Jenna Kutcher's podcast. Is it a wound or a scar? So if it's a wound, it's fresh, a bit icky for everyone to touch and mess about with. Don't do it. If it's a scar, hindsight healed, good vibes. Yeah. And having time to like rationalize those feelings mm. as well, I think is so important. Yeah. And you're someone where with this topic of, I don't even know what to call I never know what to call it. What like me being trolled. <laughs> God, yeah, it's hard, isn't it, to, like, define. Yeah, because also saying, like, you know, my experience of being bullied, I'm like, that just sounds a little bit, I don't know, for me personally, that sounds a little bit dramatic. Yeah, it sounds like we're going, like, back to school, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, the cool boys threw my, threw my bag in the bin. Yeah. Which they actually did in year seven. No, they didn't. Yeah, these boys in my class. Honestly, being a child or teenager was not Such easy. trauma. Yeah, I know. So much to still process. I also think that's partially why trolling in your like 20s is so difficult because mm. it brings back those feelings of literally quote-unquote being bullied yeah so I don't think it is wrong to refer to it as bullying because it because it is yeah but I guess whatever actually... you call it trolling bullying online abuse whatever your phrasing yeah. is I mean if you're not sure on the context of this episode it, it is something I've experienced over the last year yeah. you have been a real person in my life <laughs> Throughout the process, I feel like you've seen, I was going to say the highs and the lows of being bullied online. I'm not sure there's been many highs. Yeah. Definitely the lows. Maybe it's a high now because you can share it with hindsight and just help others who might be going through it. Yeah, I think that's always my comfort when I go through anything challenging is thinking, right, when this is at a place where I'm able to share it in a helpful way, even if there's nothing positive to come out of it for me, which I would say this is one of the situations in my life where I go, actually, I probably could do without it. Like, you know, you have those challenges where you go, oh, like good's come from it. I'm so grateful for it now. Like my burnout, my depression, I'm like, wow, you know, so much. I think this, I'm still a little bit like, there's been some lessons, there's been some positives, but. It's it's largely a negative thing, isn't it? Pretty negative. I mean, you you can't take much good from it, but. 
I mean, I always think like it's it's better them than you. It's better them being the ones that are choosing to do something like that than it is you actually doing it. So yeah. I mean, I still can't wrap my head around why people do it, but we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into that. that. We'll get into it. So very, very long intro over Jess. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. We'll see how chatty this this conversation ends up being. It's us. So probably going to go on many a tangent. Always the best way though, I think. Yeah. So I guess we should throw it back to when this first happened Mm -hmm. because this isn't something I've experienced forever it's actually I should have double checked I think we're near to the one year anniversary this time last year September 2020 I for anyone who doesn't have context on my story which hello we always assume people do I'm 23 now I started in the world of business at 17 so I had been kind of working for myself in some capacity for four five maybe six somewhere in that region years so really hadn't experienced it before had had close friends and people that I'd kind of followed online experience it. But honestly, it just never crossed my mind that it would be something that I would experience. Like the the people that I knew that had were very much in the influencer space. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. thought, well, that's not the world that I'm in, you know? I, yeah. People find them an easy target, don't they? Yeah, I, I guess. feel we- like business owner is should be a target no you know I mean like business and marketing strategists like yeah come at me it's so much to attack but yeah it was last September I was midway through or at the very beginning stages of my biggest launch mm-hmm. but yeah stepping into that launch it was of one of my old group programs selling when you're service-based I was launching with a challenge for the first time I was using Facebook ads for the first time so I was like the most visible I had yeah. been ever. You were doing a lot. Yeah. I remember that launch. Like that was, I like. Intense. Very intense. Right. I just moved into my house. So I was also living on my yes. own. Yeah. And I don't think I really processed how much that probably didn't help. So mm. I was completely on my own in this quite like, my house was lovely, but it's not a very comforting house, was it? Not like it is now. Not <laughs> it's quite just like cold. So just not the best environment is what I'm trying to paint the picture of. And I was in this launch, like I said, incredibly visible. Running Facebook ads was already something that terrified me. The prospect Mm. of new people finding me, judging me, all of that. I think I'd also had quite a lot of audience growth in those recent months. So I think I kind of knew there's maybe a few more people watch. I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? But to me, it felt like there was more people watching. And I got a message from someone. I actually had like a couple of nasty comments on my Facebook ads, but they kind of didn't bother me because it was just people being idiots. Oh, people always comment on Facebook ads. So, it's just strange. so lame, isn't it? Do you have a comment on a Facebook ad? Like, Who does? Think the That's... thought in your head, have a little giggle at yourself if you came up with a funny little one-liner and move on with your life. Yeah, literally. What is wrong with it? Maybe I mean, send it to your friend to be like, lol, look at this. But also no, just fuck off. <laughs> well, I'd say fuck. You have now, so there you go. Um, Yeah, I was sent, I got a DM from someone, not not a close friend, but just someone that I knew of. And they said, hey, I was just reading this thread on this website. And um, I've just seen that you had a thread. Here's a link just in case you fancy having a look. Why do people (laughs) feel... The need. Like, if there is a thread out there about me, I don't want to fucking know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bizarre. It's like, here you go. Let me just, like, give you a little taste of trauma. (laughs) 
<laughs> here you go like enjoy it's an um, interesting move i i can't there, there's a lot of things around the conversation of trolling and bullying where i genuinely just don't understand and mm. that's a big one actually and it's happened quite a few times where people have alerted me to a thread a comment or whatever and here's the thing if it's someone genuinely coming after me and my business which it never has been mm. then i would want to know you know if someone has yeah. had a bad experience with me and it's like hey like you know for pr sake for whatever like i think you need to go and look at this like oh my gosh thank you yeah but it's never been that it's always just been, oh, here's this person that obviously has never worked with you, doesn't, doesn't really like know you. you, has no real evidence for what they're saying, has just decided they don't like you. Do you want to go and read these words? That's <laughs> your right. That's <laughs> your right for that. No, like, I've got enough emails to read through when I'm bored. Like, don't really need that anyway. But we digress. Um, always. <laughs> always. So I go to this thread and I'd known about this website previously. I'm not going to tell people what it is, but they can figure it out. Yeah. Also, if people are listening to this, please do not go to the website and search my name. No. That's been a weird thing as well. As I've mentioned it a little bit more, people have said like, oh, I went and looked at it and oh, I don't think it's that bad. Or like, oh, I went and looked at it and blah. And I'm like, the thought of people just like, just don't. But also you've never mentioned it like properly. Like you've mentioned it, but not like the actual website yeah. so people have actually gone out of their way to figure out what the website name is yeah. and then search your name and it's like it's really not a good use of your time like but you know what having said that I would have done the same thing previous to me experiencing it myself okay because I think I just thought I'm just interested like I'm mm, curious I want to see people are aren't they yeah, like, how bad it is yeah I want to yeah. see what people are saying mm. but having experienced it like it just makes me sick the thought of also, you're adding to that website being like, yeah. by using it, you're adding the number of users and allowing that website to exist. So like, I can't believe it ex they exist no. still. It's the tagline for it used to be at least something along the lines of critiquing or giving feedback to the people who choose to monetize their personal lives. And even <sighs> just that within itself of like, what about people putting parts, never all of their personal lives online makes you think that gives you permission to give feedback or to critique. And bullying put under the guise of that, I just think is so inappropriate and incorrect and everything else. But anyway, that's a tangent within itself. So I find this thread and a lot of it's kind of just meaningless crap. Like people weren't happy that I'd done a certain collaboration. People were just like questioning my age and my experience, which I was used to at that point. Like mm. I dealt with that in a non-bullying setting. So I kind of had my, you know, I knew how to walk myself through it. I realized that I am young, that I have blind spots. I don't pretend to ever know it all. So that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, you know, I've at least made it up in my head before. I assumed that some people thought those things. But then I found a bit where based off of a house tour I'd done on my Instagram stories, people had figured out my floor plan. They knew that I'd moved to Winchester. My house was quite kind of unique, ish looking mm. you could see pick it out of a lineup quite easily and they found my address and they put my address in this thread and they hadn't said anything about doing anything with it or whatever but they found my address and I remember just seeing it and thinking I don't even I actually, I was gonna make something up then I just was a bit like speechless what the hell? <laughs> I remember this because actually that is that is quite scary especially when it's mm -hmm. when it's on a thread around like negativity towards you, you then go on to think, well, if they've got my address, what are they going to do? What could they do with that? Like, 
you can do a lot with an address. They could have sent stuff that wasn't nice. They could have turned up. They could have... It's not... It's not a nice thing to be presented with when you've just moved it moved into your new house. And if I remember correctly, you couldn't move out any earlier because you had a year long con yeah, year long contract properly locked in. And yeah, it's just it's not what you want from no. your new fresh business life living on your own. Not the one. That's scary. And I didn't even think it through that deeply. Like, you know me just much. You're a bit like naively optimistic about the world. So I didn't really cross my mind that they would do anything with it. Like I'm that person that like, I'll leave my stuff on the beach and go in the sea and I don't think that anyone's going to steal it. Or I'll like, yeah. you know, I'll leave my car. I literally left my car unlocked with my windows open for four days outside the station <laughs> in Winchester. I, I was just, do so you didn't do it on purpose, but like, I'm just... I, I assume the best in people and sometimes that's good sometimes that's not so great and I'm there texting um, you please can you shut your bedroom window yeah. <laughs> can you not let people climb through the first ground floor of this house thank you so much but I think because I'm kind of glad though because I've like mm, I don't know I, I, I think really, I would have struggled with it yeah I didn't really process like someone could come to my house I think I just yeah. thought like you weirdos why should I want my address I guess that's extreme isn't it like actually coming to your house like do they really have that much effort but because usually they are just a keyboard yeah. warrior they're not and also who am i for you to come to my house yeah like why do you care i'm literally so like, at the time i was some little 22 year old business strategist live like please surely there are bigger fish to fry yeah. in this world like how am i of any interest these people i'm not sure but yeah i found that and that was the bit that really freaked me out and then another thing that really upset me is that they'd found my parents my as you know jess parents are both quite like visible online yeah. i think that's kind of where i get it from like they're very searchable you know there's like videos of them on like they're church leaders for anyone who needs context there and that was to me where i was like okay this isn't funny anymore i think up until reading that i was finding it all quite amusing i was like this is so funny like i'm being trolled haha <laughs> like this is meant to be a sign that like you know I'm going I've made places. it. I've done it. Um, and I really did find it funny at first. And then when I saw the stuff about my parents, I was like, ah, like you mess with me all you want. Mm. You come for my friends, you come for my family. Like this is not mm. funny anymore. And I really did kind of brush it off initially. Just thought like, oh, and I actually, I've kind of told that story slightly wrong. I found the thread and it wasn't until like a few days later where the address and the parent yeah. stuff was added. So that was like a few days. And the first few days before those other things got added, I did find it funny. Mm. And I remember going to my Instagram stories and making a little joke about it and just thinking like, yeah. oh my gosh, ha ha. I remember, yeah, I remember having a FaceTime with you and we were like, lol, pathetic. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I... Yeah, I think I thought I was being really hard. And then there was this moment, I don't really remember what triggered it. Perhaps it was then, I think after I'd found like the address of the mm. parent stuff where I was like, I just burst into tears. Mm. And I'm not a crier. She's really not a cry crying. Have you ever seen She's... me cry? I think maybe. Yeah, yeah, like because once because yeah. of this. Yeah. Long. Love to see But yeah, I just burst into tears and I was like, I am suddenly actually thinking about what this means mm. and thinking about those people's words and I don't actually find it funny I'm actually really hurt by it and the things that they were saying of like questioning my values and saying that I wasn't good at what I do and that I don't care about my clients and that I'm just like a money grabber whatever I think all of that like superficial stuff you know like making fun of how I look or the car that I drive I'm like absolutely fine like come for me I do not care about those things mm. but it was when I started to really think about people questioning my values which you know for me is like non-negotiable yeah. I was like 
oh my God, this isn't. And I was midway through big launch, which people who've launched before will know is like your most vulnerable, you need your mindset in the best place time. And I remember just thinking, I can't do this. And I ended up, I think I made the decision quite quickly, didn't I? Of like, I'm just going to cut this launch. I'm not going to. Cut it very short. Yeah. I think I took a good like week off of it, drove home to my parents' house and just stayed there for a few days. That's the only thing you can do, isn't it? Like, what else are you supposed to do in a situation like that? Keep going and just force yourself into the ground of breakdown? Like, because it was already getting, like, to the point where it was really just wasn't, really wasn't funny. Like, it was, I don't want to be too, like, open about this, but... No, you can share whatever you want. It's, it was scary as a friend Mm. to see you like that when I know you as like literally like a like a beam of light and excitement around your business it was the first time I'd ever seen you not excited about your business Mm, yeah I think that's a very accurate description of it it did make me almost dread not almost it did make me dread showing up and doing my business and all these things that I'd previously really loved I suddenly didn't want to do I didn't want to be visible I didn't want to show my gosh I was about to say my quirky side and then I was gonna throw up in my lap <laughs> literally never heard you use that word ever I'm just so quirky and random <laughs> when I was a teenager that's like the biggest compliment you could have given me if you said I was random really oh man I really wanted to be random just oh. really cool to be random nice I was that kid. um but it it did it made me want to kind of step away and mm. retreat and I'm really glad that I did retreat yeah I think my kind of instinct is always like push through keep going show yourself right show yourself what you're capable of like come on you know fear fear is just a sign that you're growing like blah 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 but there was something in me and I didn't have the language for it at the time but what I now understand was basically just I felt unsafe for the first time in my business I didn't feel safe it wasn't that I felt uncomfortable it wasn't that I felt a bit fear because I think discomfort and fear can be good things Mm -hmm. in in the right way it was a lack of safety that I felt not really physical safety which just for anyone that was worrying about that I managed to get that first thread taken down because it had my address on it the only way I could have got it taken down was because of that um but then they just started another thread because they have way too much time (laughs) on their hands (laughs) but I think yeah just psychologically I didn't feel safe and I've always been very clear with myself from day one, that my priority is clients and students and Mm. audience and everything else comes second. So I think I knew, right, if I'm going to serve my clients and students, I always need to just stop everything else. And what was actually hardest about that was not telling the world. I say the Mm. world, my little world, my little corner of the internet. I remember doing a post when I decided to stop launch. I think the first line of it was, I refused to run my business at the expense of my mental health. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't say that it was because of the trolling. People didn't know at the time that was what it was, but it was basically saying like, I'm not feeling good in my business right now. I need to take a step back. Everything in me, well, obviously not everything, so I didn't do it, but so much of me wanted to it's talk about it. You know, up until that point, I'd been open about everything. You know, I spoke about when my relationship broke down the day of my retreat launch. I talked about my mental health. I talked about financial struggles and to suddenly almost have this secret yet have such a value of honesty and transparency felt really inauthentic. 
But I think I just knew like, this is not something that I can share in a way that's going to be productive for anyone. No. And it would have been, it would have been wrong. A hundred percent been wrong to share that straight off the bat because you needed to go through the motions and process that. Like it's like, if, if it was like one comment, maybe you could have spoken about, oh yeah, I've had this, it's not nice and I'm getting over it. But when it's like a whole thread, it's continuing, it's happening. And am I right in saying that it's not something that stopped? No. It's something that is continuing throughout the past year. It's not something that just you had that one launch and that's where it all began and then it stopped after that. It's a thing now you have to... nice? (laughs) Exactly. Learn some lessons. Bye-bye situation. Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, now it's now something you have to deal with Mm. and you have to deal with on... I, I don't know how often it occurs, but it's something mentally you have to de- deal with on a daily basis and remind yourself of. Mm. And without having that year to process and like understand how you're going to be able to deal with it and rationalize it moving forward, I don't think it would have been good for you to to talk about it so early on because you didn't realize how much it was going to continue. Mm. I agree. And I don't think... I think I'm only just learning to live with it. Mm. Only now, like a year on. Mm. And one of my biggest fears as well, and actually it's a fear that I've still got sharing this episode, is that talking about it scares people who haven't experienced it. Because mm. I hate, and I could. this is like something I still really sit with and wrestle with. I hate that when it comes to this topic, the conclusion generally is, might be worded in a different way, but usually is, you can't really do anything about it. So you kind of just have to keep going despite it. Like if you respond to them, it adds fuel to the fire. If you talk out about it, it adds fuel to the fire. So the best thing to do is ignore and keep doing your thing. And I get why that is the advice a hundred percent. That's why I don't respond. Now, I guess a point to make is that if people genuinely like call me out, and they want to have a productive conversation. Like, oh my God, I love to respond to that. Yeah, I've sat on Zoom fun. calls with people yeah. before who don't understand an element of what I do or who question maybe how part of my values has showed up in my business. And those have been amazing, productive, eye-opening for both of us conversations. What I refuse to do is when someone is just bullying you and they don't want a response. They kind of, well, they do want a response. That's the point. But they don't want to engage in conversation. They just want to They're not interested in hearing. You. Yeah, I understand why the advice to that is like, leave it alone. But I hate that we can't really do a huge amount. And I'm going to speak in the next episode with someone who will help me to get this anger solved because there are things you can do. I'm yeah. just not an expert on the topic. I'm not an expert on tackling. Neither of us really know what we're doing here. Yeah. Just buy ice cream and go on a walk. <laughs> Um, get an early night you'll be fine read a book right. uh, turn Instagram off maybe don't know delete the read some nice screenshots <laughs> do something that helps um, but yeah it does worry me for people that haven't experienced it before that hearing people talk about it stops them from showing up because of the fear of it happening and I completely understand you know people might be listening to this episode and thinking do I want to be showing up on Instagram anymore is someone about to do this to me and I will say I don't know many people that this has happened to yeah but i does seem to be part of being more visible yeah and i think there is some questions we should all be asking ourselves because of these conversations which is what do i feel comfortable sharing online and basically do i feel comfortable with people picking apart at what i'm 
talking about mm-hmm. like the way I see it and I don't like that this is how it is but anything you put on the internet you are giving people permission to question it yeah share their experiences of that same thing judge it wrestle around with it talk to you about that topic send it to their friends right yeah I don't think that that's necessarily the way it should be I think there should be ways that you can almost broadcast out without necessarily giving unspoken permission for everyone to speak back but I do think that's an important thing to think about is you know if I'm basically giving everyone this information what information do I feel comfortable with people having Mm -hmm. like because of this situation I don't really talk about my family anymore because the fact that they'd picked up on that and then used it was really uncomfortable to me yeah maybe shouldn't go into too much detail with this but I went through something in my personal life at the start of 2020 referenced it in one Instagram post so vaguely yeah and they'd picked up on that and come up with this whole theory of what had happened which turned out to be really really like triggering to me what it was that they theorized and I yeah I don't really know how I've gone down this tangent but I guess what I'm saying is if you're listening like one of my fears we're talking about about this topic is that it does scare people Mm -hmm. into not showing up and I guess my encouragement would be don't let it stop you showing up, but let it encourage you to show up more intentionally yes. in a more boundaried way. Yeah. And I and I would actually agree with that from my own experience online. I've definitely changed some of the way that I show up, partially based on your experience and partially based on past experience with my own bullying experience online when I had a YouTube channel and stuff like that um, <clears throat> from just like the classic bullying, like boys from the old school just being like oh you're so embarrassing like this is so lame like oh my god um and also why did we get told that boys bullying us was meant that they fancied us it doesn't you just watch the first scene of he's just not the interview and you know it's it's not it's not that amazing film by the way amazing film (laughs) anyway sorry that's something that you have yeah i can't remember what i was gonna say (laughs) having more boundaries around what you share online yes yeah yeah exactly and i think like seeing yeah seeing what you've been through and i actually double like guess myself if i ever do consider sharing my parents online i'm like why like is it necessary do they need to be here and actually no that's actually a corner of my life that i don't want to share like my family's my family and unless it's like the odd thing then i wouldn't and and the same as same as you with like processing things like I used to share very vulnerably online very very vulnerably and in the moment whereas I actually do think that it's just not it's not healthy for yourself or for the people that are viewing and reading and watching it if you're completely oversharing something you're not you're not fully aware what it means yet you're not you haven't processed it you haven't rationalized it it's way better to share in hindsight and then you've got actually a lesson or something from it that you can give to other people because you're not just sharing online for yourself the reason that you share online is partially for other people to see it I'd hope so this kind of yeah largely the point yeah otherwise you just have a private account and just have your own little photo album you want other people to see what you're doing but Mm -hmm. is it going to be helpful for them and for you if you if you're not actually there yet Mm, I guess something to talk about which I don't really have much of an answer for but just we talk about it quite a lot don't we is like why do people do it I cannot wrap my head around that being a way that someone chooses 
to spend their time and energy. <laughs> Me neither. I know the classic thing that it comes back to is that people say, like, oh, you know, they're just jealous. Mm, oh, my God. Oh, not the worst. That just yeah. annoyed me so much because I just thought, all right, <laughs> we're all jealous in life. Does that mean I go and create a thread of someone else and discuss their life online? It is part of the reason, though. It really is. Very Jealousy is such a, a big one. But I don't know. I also think it comes down to... I know, we spoke about this quite a lot in Croatia. But right. Nurture. Oh, I And, guys. like, the way that you've grown up and what you've had around you and how you've been spoken to by either friends at school like when you're younger like that's something that you do remember and if you were bullied when you were younger perhaps you can grow up to be a bully or if your parents spoke to you in the wrong way or teachers like all of that process when you're younger Mm. I wonder if the reason that people do it now is as a result of that and how they experienced growing up and it's kind of ingrained in them that that's the appropriate thing like I don't know if you remember or if you had this at school but there was a like forum called like form spring oh my gosh I remember that and you would make a form spring and it was just basically an anonymous bullying form where people would be like hey guys if you want to just send me any anonymous messages feel free and people basically just be like I don't like your backpack (laughs) your hair looked really greasy the other day (laughs) And yeah, and you could also set it, so you could set it for, for anonymous or not anonymous. And I had someone write on mine and they meant to do it anonymously and didn't click anonymous. And it was like, it was awful. And she wrote just like really horrible things about my personality. And I, and I think that's partially where my, the start of my trauma about being like too much came from. Mm. Um, I remember going into like class the next day and she like came up to me and she was like, yeah, I meant to put it as um, anonymous, but yeah, I, d- I I didn't click the thing, but um, it all still stands. That is what I think about you. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I love being a teenager. <laughs> Honestly, the internet's a crazy place. And I think <clears throat> what you've touched on there is that it is so much more about them than it is about you. Mm. And I can say that now, mm. a year on. But you best believe for the first few weeks, even probably the first few months, I couldn't, I could hear that, mm. but I couldn't hear it. Do you know what I mean? People mm. would say, you know, it's, it's not really about you. Yeah. They, there's obviously something in them that's triggered. Yeah. Like you said, they feel that this is an appropriate thing to do. Yeah. There's something in your life that triggers them for good or for bad. It is more about them than it is about you. But that is so hard to actually take in mm. when it is all that fresh. I think especially because up until I'd experienced this, everything that people said about me, I took as truth. Mm. Like what my parents said, my parents were so encouraging verbally growing up. So I've learned to really love and value words of affirmation. Yeah. So my everything my parents said, I'd taken as truth. My friends, I've always had amazing friends. So everything my friends say, I'd taken as truth. And I kind of did the same with my online presence. Like every comment, every DM, you know, what clients, what students said. I was like, yeah, that, the evidence. that's all true. I'm like, great. You know, there was no almost barrier between someone saying something about me and me taking it in immediately as truth. And I think this was the first time, or this is the first time that I've really had to put a barrier in place, but that took quite a lot of time to do. Like the first few times that I heard people saying, you know, you're a liar, you're a... I can't remember the crap they would they say is like basically just that I'm lying, that I'm scamming people for money, that I'm inauthentic, that I'm whatever, whatever. 
it, it took a, quite a few times to hear those before I could actually hear them and not just immediately go, oh, yeah, well, that must be true. Yeah, because like, all of your evidence growing up had been that everything that was said to you was truth. Yeah. So then to you automatically would believe that, wouldn't you? It, ma- it yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah, and like, I mean, like any human, I think like people's perception of me is really important to me. Mm. And I think up until this experience, I outsourced a lot of my identity to other people's opinions and words. Mm. So if someone else said, you're this, you're that, I could believe it. But I struggled to really believe things without anyone else's input. Mm. So suddenly I was getting input that wasn't positive. It just like massively rocked the boat. And I think that's where... I couldn't see at the start that it was about other people. I did think it was me. And looking back, I mean, I wish I could have, you know, figured that out sooner because I think that was the turning point that's allowed me to kind of live with it. But there were so many lessons in that of learning to find that identity within myself and learning to almost discern when someone says something about me, do I want to take this on or not? Mm. You know, do I want to take this as truth? Do I want to challenge it? Do I want to reject it? That's been a great lesson. I'm not, you know, I would have rather learned it in in a different way, but there's that lesson that's come from it. And now I really do see how it is so much more about the other person than it is about you. And I also don't think, God, I keep keep saying stuff and then just knowing, oh, that's something they'll take to discuss on the thread. It's just, I I get why people say don't talk about it because it does add fuel to the fire and they do want that this is amazing for them right this is a reaction you'd think this would be a like reality check yeah no 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 this will be oh my gosh we got her to we got her to talk about it and even saying that I'm like who am I to think that those people are actually but it, it like last I checked like it's still still a thing I don't know why they care but it it doesn't surprise me that it started when externally my life started to look a little bit more shiny. Mm. So in August of last year, I moved out from living in my parents' house to having a two-bed house by myself. Mm. And although I don't see it, you know, it's all the same me. I don't get that that's any different. It was when someone else said it to me actually of like, oh, do you think that was the trigger point? Because the interesting thing is the way they spoke about me on this thread and the way they, they know me, these people know know me pretty well. They've been following along for a good few years, I would say, or at least they've looked back a lot on information. They know a lot, which tells me, and one of my friends that experiences this says the same thing, that they were people that were once engaged in my community in a positive way, mm. but then something happens where they no longer feel that you're relatable or they no longer like you or they just decide you've changed. I don't like this anymore. Yeah. And I've I've really noticed that. It's not total strangers to me. It's people that seem to, it was always, you know, oh, I liked her until, or I used to like you, but, or you've changed. And I just find that a really perplexing thing. And you know, I think people might be able to relate to that in the sense of like, when you follow influencers online, I, I don't know whether you've ever had it where you followed an influencer and you've grown up with them and you've really enjoyed their content. And then suddenly there's, you feel an aura about them that they they do, they're not as relatable anymore because they are 
quote unquote richer or they have shiny things and they're not being as authentic or they've limited the amount that they share online um and I've definitely had that with influencers before and I've had to like properly like check myself on it and be like well what what is it that you're now deciding you you don't you don't like them like I don't like them because what is it like it's it's really it's it's like it's internalized misogyny um to a to an extent and that's it as well it's all mm. women Yes. Of the of what I know yeah. of my trolls. Yeah, they're all women from what I've gauged and seen. There might be some men lurking in there, but so far, yeah. all females. And that infuriates me as well, especially in a space like the small business community, which is so about championing women and community over competition. Mm-hmm. And then you have stuff like this going on and you just think, come on, girls. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, come on, women. Like, we're women. We're not girls, but... Like, we should be, like, lifting each other up. Yeah. Can we... Can what we go back to that? <laughs> yeah. Did we forget the whole, like, women being, you know, not celebrated in society and us trying to change that? Yeah. But Yeah. It is very interesting. But I guess a direction to take this in would be kind of the impact that it's had. I feel like I've probably touched on it a little bit and alluded to it, but this is definitely something that you've seen a lot of Mm. over the last year as I said I think the immediate impact is that it really caused me to shrink back and I actually think that was a really positive thing I think that was a survival technique as I said to kind of feel safe and be able to keep showing up for clients and students and just kind of basically not fully burn out and step away I knew if I kept trying to live with it at full Mm -hmm. capacity I was going to break mm. and I just, I, I feel I've learned my lesson of trying to push, push, push until you break. And I was like, if there's a way that I can just lay low, survive, and then we'll slowly add stuff back in. I think that was the immediate impact. And it was absolutely the right decision, yeah. like to do that. But it was also like from a friend's perspective, heartbreaking to see, especially when the reason that I knew you mm. was because of your outward personality online and I mean I came across you for the insta story thing so when you stopped doing yeah like you are the instagram story queen as far as I'm concerned and you helped me like more than anyone ever to gain that confidence to show up online and to then see you having to retreat because of what had happened was like was heartbreaking but absolutely the right decision for you to get over that and obviously we were friends, we, we were friends, we are friends. It wasn't that I was only seeing you through Instagram. I obviously had, we had many of We were also in lockdown, which is another, yeah. we had two lockdowns during this, like the first six months of this experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, I don't know, I found Instagram quite a safe space for me during lockdown to be, to have human connection and talk to people and show up and, you got that taken away from you because... Yeah, because you're suddenly thinking, is that red dot in the right-hand corner going to be a nice DM or is that someone Mm. trolling me? Mm. Or of the X hundred people watching this Instagram story, how many of those are friends and how many of those are watching so they can screenshot it and put it in the next thread? Mm -hmm. Like, it's weird. And that's the thought process that comes with uploading a story Yeah, and that's that's constant now like 
I can't really remember when I didn't just, you know, I have such a different mindset now showing up online. Mm. I think I'm so much more distanced from it. Mm. And I, I, I do miss in a way, like pre this experience, me, who did just share stuff. Not even like, it, it wasn't even vulnerable stuff, but almost that more like the quirky side. <laughs> just so funky You're around so it. <laughs> but that kind of stuff, like when I shared that I had a nosebleed on Instagram stories, when I told the story of when I didn't have a tampon at the oh retreat, so I had to use like a KFC napkin. <laughs> I loved telling those kind of stories. And do you know what? It wasn't until you and other people said it to me of like, hey, like, I kind of miss like you online. I, I didn't, I hadn't almost done it intentionally. I think it was a real like human instinct to be like, no, no, nah. we're taking all of this back. We are mm. just now talking about business and that is it. Mm. And it wasn't until people said it and I looked back at my old content that I was like, oh, there's a lot that I haven't been doing that I'd usually be doing. And yeah. I think that kind of paired with me, I was feeling quite like disconnected from my content, my audience, my message. And actually I think looking back, the two things were really connected. Mm. I think I did kind of lose myself because I didn't, want to it's so it really was it's I'd, I'd say it as if it was an intentional decision I cannot tell you how much it was just it just happened I just stopped sharing that stuff like even my stories became very like just work focused and that was that was the right thing to do at the time mm -hmm. but I think there then was a point maybe like a third through this year like springtime where I think I was beginning to think like okay maybe it'd be fun to bring some of this stuff back in and you did. Yeah. And I'd say now it's a very good balance as to mm. what it was. Like, it was not, like, I, did, I couldn't see enough of the great Alice that I loved watching online and mm. amazing. Like, I love your business, but also love watching you and, like, mm. your personality shining through. And it's really nice that you've now kind of come back with that and you do share, share more. But also appreciate that, it is a it is something that goes on in your head every time you upload a story. It's like what mm. if it is a personal one, what can they take? What what could they do with this? Yeah. And I think the way I deal with that now is just I know very like internally and naturally what I do and don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. sharing. Like I've just got much better boundaries of, you know, like Friday night, Instagram gets deleted, it doesn't come back till Sunday evening. Mm. I don't document my personal life I don't document my friends unless they're people that are involved in business I don't show like just kind of got like harder mm. lines in place yeah in a good way I think I, I like what people say about like vulnerability online can either be that you share everything but just a small percentage of it or you pick a few things and you share all of that mm. and I think that's I'm like all or nothing so that works for me yeah. of like I share all of my work I share anything I do with people who are connected to my work and that is it. Mm. And there's like little bits of stuff that happens alongside that. But I think that was the like immediate impact that has taken a while to kind of work through was like that visibility online mm. aspect. I feel like I just got quite boring. I'm allowed to say that because it was about me, but like, I did just get a bit dull, I think. It's just quite... You weren't boring. You were... You, do, you just weren't there as much. And I think as someone who really values authenticity... It just bothered me because I just thought I just don't feel like I'm bringing me. And also like two of my values, one is playfulness and one is honesty. Mm. And like I just didn't feel like that playfulness, I think, is what was missing. Yeah. Because it just felt, I don't know, I just didn't feel comfortable 
showing up with that. But I feel like that's one of the biggest things that makes my content and my online presence mine. Because, I mean, hopefully I share stuff that can otherwise seem quite kind of dull or complicated in a way that feels quite kind of playful mm. and interesting and fresh. But I don't think it was you not being authentic. Because also I do think that, like, people forget that you're not going to see 100% of people's lives online. Mm. You just never, ever will. Um, and I think you were just authentic in your own more like maybe limited way. It was just, it was just almost less. It was still you. It was yeah, still... it wasn't fake. Yeah, exactly. I just knew it's... there was. You just weren't feeling a hundred percent yourself. Mm. So what you did bring was like a, a more a smaller percentage of yeah. you, but still bringing your audience what they should be largely following you for, which is business and marketing. So you still were bringing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, not not bringing the other yeah. bits that, yeah. And in a different way. Mm. And then I'd say the biggest impact I think this situation had was actually quite a long time after it happened. Well, not that long, but like a good few months on, which was when in like spring of this year, mm. I just had what I can only describe as a total identity crisis. That was awful. It was... R I had no idea what to do. It was rough. Was... I think I've like vaguely hinted at it on the podcast, but I've not really talked about it because it, you know, at the time wasn't something I could really put into words. But I have never questioned my identity and my worth and my impact and compared myself to such a detrimental extent mm. as to how I did I would say for those like it was a good month where I remember I didn't I couldn't eat yeah you were you were I was so worried about you you literally were not eating anything no. like literally not. and anytime you did eat you like I was just sick instantly right that's yeah. my body's like immediate impact uh response to stress like if I'm ever stressed I just throw up and that's when I knew like oh we're not in a good way and we were in that second lockdown so I was on my own mm -hmm. I just remember feeling so off. Mm. Like I, I, I've not felt that way ever before and I really haven't felt like it since and I'm very, very grateful for that. I remember I would just like do my client calls and get back into bed mm. and I would just be in bed for as long as I can. And I, like I've, I have depression. It, it wasn't depression. It was a total just identity crisis. I didn't, I was questioning absolutely everything and I was about to step into a launch and I ended up delaying that launch by a couple of months, which was totally the right decision because yeah. I just kept crying at the thought of having to launch, which yeah. is when you know this is not the right time, time to do something. <laughs> this is not good. And yeah, it was just awful. And I didn't at the time at all link it back to the trolls. But I do think it was probably when it all kind of started to sink in. And that was a good five, six, seven months, five, six, seven, eight months, <laughs> great song, uh, after it first happened. And there was also stuff going on in my industry that I think added to it. Mm -hmm. But it was also around that time that I spoke out about regulation in the coaching industry, which was a big like, maybe shouldn't have done that. I don't know that I was in the best position mentally to do such yeah. a like neck above the water move. But that was a really rough few months. And that identity crisis, although good came from it, it really encouraged me to like strengthen my foundations. And I think I left it with so much clarity of like why I do what I do and who I am and what my impact is. It was really tough. 
I also think maybe that occurred partially because you did find the large amount of your identity in your business for Mm. quite a long time. And I think once you looked outside of that and what else was going on in your life, it wasn't just everything was Alice Benham Limited. Mm. Like there were other things like the fun that was about, and like like you said, like it doesn't help, there was lockdown. Mm. Like the fun that you kind of got back a little bit when we had like not as much lockdown. And then when we were back in lockdown, that fun got taken away. Like you were just starting to like have more of a, personal life and a life outside of business and then I think I mean it definitely came from partially the trolls as well but I think having life taken away did not help you um... and I think as well that was when I properly externally transitioned to business and marketing strategy Mm. I'd been doing business strategy for a lot longer than it was my external title it was a very slow transition from just doing marketing work to bringing the business stuff in as well but the start of this year was when I kind of almost announced it and had everything reflect it and I think that was a real trigger like just speaking it out loud I'm like I think that was what triggered it but I already almost had this really weak foundation of self-confidence and identity because of that trolling experience and I think that was the season where I really learned that lesson of finding identity within myself I remember I would struggle to be sleeping at night and the only thing that I could do that would help me get to sleep was I would read back client and student testimonials and I'd read podcast reviews and I'd read kind dms I'd screenshot and put into a folder like that was how reliant on that external validation I was to soothe how I was feeling and I don't think that's something I'm over it's actually a real like ongoing struggle for me is like how reliant I am on that external validation. But I think that was the point where I like was at its worst. And I just remember thinking like, this isn't going to get better. Like, how am I going to ever show up online again? How am I going to ever do a big launch again? But it's amazing how a bit of time and looking after yourself, like physically and mentally and sunshine and non-lockdown yeah and not looking for the trolling as well yeah that's something we've not really talked about but up until that point I would I wouldn't look for it but I wouldn't stop myself from being exposed to it whereas I think I really learned a lesson then of like this is not going away so I can't keep waiting for this to stop I need to learn how to live with this and part of that is not looking at it and telling people not to send it to me (laughs) Tip number one, don't be a troll. Tip number two, if you see a troll, don't send it to the person <laughs> that it is about. Yeah. Podcast episode over. That. Thank you so um, much. But that ongoing questioning might impact my worth. That's something that, bless you, you've had to be <laughs> and continue to be witness to a lot. I think I do. I find it, it's hard to, I can throw as many words of affirmation your way, but Sometimes it doesn't, it, it, I, I can't actually do okay. anything properly. I think it helps for like a, a few minutes. Mm. <laughs> it's nice for you to know and hear it from a friend mm. that you are a, I'm going to swear again, a fucking fantastic human, not just because of your work, but because you're fun to be around. You are, you are actually one of the funniest people I know. And that, like, people don't see enough of that on Instagram and that, it upsets me. It breaks my heart that these these group of 
trolls have taken you and just like broken those bits down mm-hmm. as if as if you're not you're not worthy of being a good human because you are a really fucking good human and it yeah I, I it's hard to it's hard to explain but seeing seeing you question yourself and question your worth mm. has been horrible as a close friend of yours yeah. because you're worth so much and you would not be one of my closest friends mm. if you if you didn't have a big impact on me and on others like well, I appreciate all those very generous <laughs> words. But yeah, it is quite a... And I know it even as I'm doing it. over. Like, <laughs> paid her to say all of that. But I will I'll be like, oh, like, I know this is ridiculous, but... And I, I, it's not really questioning anything about, like, me as a person or, like, kind of my worth as a human. It is really about my work of, like, mm. I worry pretty much on a daily basis that I'm an awful strategist, coach, teacher, podcast host, content creator. And I don't like to admit that because I just think it's such a like oh, stupid thing to say because I do have so much incredible evidence and I know that. Mm. Yet I still have this underlying like, I don't know whether it's a fear, don't know whether it's anxiety, don't know whether it's a belief, but this just feeling of like, am I good at what I do? And do I have an impact? And constantly desiring and craving that evidence and validation that tells me that like I end most client calls and think and and worry at least for a second about oh how was that and if a client texts me saying that was a great session it's like okay I can breathe now like I'm good and I don't like that I'm still that reliant on that external validation and that's kind of a process I think for me to keep going through but I'm glad I guess earlier in the year it felt like I was questioning my whole self Mm. I feel like I've at least drilled it down a bit at least I'm now just questioning my impact and my ability as a strategist which to be fair I do work like 90% of the time so that is still quite a lot of me that I'm questioning there but yeah there's quite a lot of times isn't there where I'll call you up or text you or you'll come in and I'll be like yeah I just think I'm shit just think I'm really shit at what I do and I just think everyone hates me and they're all lying to me and I'm just awful at what I do and I should just quit (laughs) Honestly, it's it's ridiculous. Like you're laughing, but it's not. It is. It's just because what does the evidence show? The evidence of people's businesses you've impacted, yeah, yeah. the number of client calls you have, the number of inquiries you have, the way that you show up online, your Instagram DMs, largely other than the small proportion of dickheads out there that are trolling you. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at everything it's very obvious and very clear that you are amazing at what you do. And for me, who knew you firstly through work, that was our first meeting was work-based. I And and the months after that was largely, we were friends because we were, work, we were quote unquote work friends. Um, and it's something that you're exceptional at. You transitioned me from part-time working in admin to becoming a freelance video editor. Well, you do it, but, but you, you've got me you, though. You do, it, I've always said this to you. Someone would have been that person if I wasn't that person. Mm. You just need, no, you oh. just needed. No, nah, I think nudge. you're special. I think you're special, AB. I think you well, need to realize that. This isn't what the conversation is about, so I'm going to go back to this. Um, but yeah, I do think that's one of the kind of ongoing effects of it. And I also think my current kind of, 
constant identity crisis and questioning my work, my value of what I do also comes down to there being a lot of conversations over the last two years about my industry mm. and quote unquote business coaches and all of, like that is probably about 50% of it as well. But that's a whole nother conversation and something that I've already kind of said my said my piece on through those blog posts, which I'll link in the show notes if anyone wants to read them. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think I just didn't expect, like if there's any time to really question your ability and your impact, surely it's at the start where you haven't really got much evidence mm. or you're not feeling that experience. Like it's weird to me that I've never really felt this level of like lack of confidence and questioning myself mm. until six years in. But I think it is that whole, it's when you're at the top thing. Yeah. And let's be real, at my core, I obviously do believe that I can do what I do because I get up in the morning it, and I show yeah. up to my calls and I sell my press. So like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not crippling, no. but I do question on a daily basis and, and yeah, ask myself and then sadly you as well. Apologies. Oh Those gosh, questions. Don't apologise. I'm just like, Jess, can you give me some validation, please? I'm just feeling quite insecure. Thank you so much. I actually cried the other day because I got a feedback form back and I didn't want to open it. I was so scared of reading it. Alice. It just burst into tears. And then, of course, it was really kind. And I was like, brilliant. Like, the most constructive things people say is literally just about, like, practical things. Which you need yeah. anyway. Like, and it's I necessary. It. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I literally never had a, like, constructive piece of feedback about, like, my actual work. Because I just, you're good at what you do. <laughs> I just think they're all like, they're, they're paid or something. I don't know. Someone else is bad. If you told me suddenly, Alice, this has all been a lie, you know, your parents just wanted you to feel like you were doing all right. They funded all of these people working with you. I think I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Fair enough. I think maybe that part of it, like you actually, the identity stuff and the the work stuff can have partially come from moving moving out. I know we briefly touched on that, mm. but maybe because you don't have didn't have when you lived on your own yeah. that constant external validation because your parents are amazing. Like they are oh my gosh. They are so... just like a constant stream of encouragement and love and identity and affirmation mm. and yeah. all of the things. Yeah, I do think I undervalue the impact that that transition's probably had. That was a massive change. Yeah, basically went from like being surrounded. It's like I was living in a boombox of affirmation and encouragement. Yeah. And then I moved into a silent retreat for 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst getting trolled. What up, people? What yeah. a combination. Anyway, so that's kind of where things are at a year on. I don't really look at it. It doesn't hit me in the same way, but I think I still almost have like, you know, like long COVID. <laughs> that is a really horrible analogy to use. But now it's like, you know, it's not the full symptoms, but it's like the dregs. Yeah. I feel that's it. Uh, and I think I've, you know, mentally got to terms with like, okay, this is it. This is something I now experience. Mm. I feel quite neutral about that fact. Let's finish off with some lessons. Some things that this has taught us. I feel we've probably shared some lessons already about like being more intentional about what you share online. Absolutely, yeah. Having more boundaries, having, you know, identity that's not just in the work that you do. I will echo what I've already said, which I think a big lesson is learning not everything everyone says is 100% truth. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to have a filter. You're allowed to question stuff. That also then doesn't mean that nothing people say is true. I think one of my fears was that this situation was going to make me closed off from 
constructive criticism and I'm glad it hasn't. Like if someone genuinely wants to engage in meaningful debate and they're genuinely questioning something from the right place, mm. I think I'm, st- I've, I'm still able to see that as a positive and be like, yeah, of course, great. And not just immediately go, you know, oh, they don't fully agree with me. They're a troll, block them. Mm. I think learning like the nuance yeah. of people's insights and then what to do with it, depending on where I think they're coming from. And it is it is important to take feedback on to an extent, like unless it's completely against your values and what you're there to do, it's sometimes it can be actually quite helpful. Um, but other times it's unnecessary and bullying. So it's being able to distinguish that is important. Yes, that is a really important lesson. I guess probably the biggest lesson has been that I really love and care about what I do Mm. because when I've gone through all the little and large crises and challenges over this last year because of it it's never been I've it's never once crossed my mind to stop Mm. or to quit or to actually I take that back do you remember in that launch video that you edited I was like I've never considered quitting before but this is the first time. I, and I did. When it first came about, that was the first and only time I'd really properly thought about, can I actually do this? But to me, the biggest proof that I I do think I'm capable of building and growing my business is the fact that I've kept going amidst mm. all of that. And I guess that's a bit of a like self-centered, selfish, clap myself moment. But just to be like, uh, yeah, I never saw those challenges as, a reason to stop but I think was like okay we just need to figure out how to keep going Mm. and it's not stopped me from wanting to do what I do it's just put a few more challenges in the way that's when you know that you love what you do and that you're doing the right thing I I needed you to bring that home that point I couldn't I couldn't land it I was like (laughs) what point am I trying to still make yeah I've kind of forgotten (laughs) how I went there and then you you perfectly landed that yeah I do love what I do it is genuinely the biggest... I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, it's just the biggest privilege and joy to call this a job. It doesn't feel like a job. And I'm bloody glad it's worked out because I don't think I'm going to be able to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the trolls. <laughs> and that is Jess's lesson, up. everybody. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Starting Conversation. No, I think this has been... I think we've, we've covered enough ground. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think we got. I think we've got some good lessons. I mean, you said them all because they yeah, were all ma- mainly your lessons. But <laughs> Jess is a great friend. That's been a lesson. Oh, You've been very good this last year. You sent me a really big chocolate bar at one point. When oh, I, was, I did. I yeah. Yeah, you like your dairy milk. I do. Mm. <laughs> chocolate fan. Jess, thank you for joining me. I'm so unsure if this episode is going. I'm going to need to listen to that. I get nervous. of the people that are listening to this are lovely human beings Mm. who are hopefully listening to this because they have experienced it themselves and maybe want to know they're not alone, are feeling a little bit nosy. I would fully listen to an episode like this just because I was feeling a little bit nosy. Uh, Or perhaps fear it and maybe want to know more about it. I will say there'll be another episode either when this comes out or next week, which will be with an expert on online abuse. Not that you're not, Jess. (laughs) Uh, and we'll have a more like practical focused conversation of like why it happens how we can deal with it because obviously a a lot of this episode has just been like 
here's the effect it had on me and it was really shit and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's important to talk about and acknowledge, but there's more that we can do. Uh, but I would love to know people's thoughts on this episode. Come and message myself over on Instagram, Alice underscore Benham. I live with Jess, so I'll share all the messages. Uh, if you message Jess, she'll show me. So basically just message whoever you want. Unless you're a troll, message Jess so she can. I don't want any trolls. No, I'm actually really good, thanks. I um, have had some past trauma with it and I would prefer um, that it didn't exist in my corner of the internet. Stick to us. Thank you, bye. <laughs> actually, no, don't do that either. Right. Over and out. See you later. Bye. So there we have it. A very raw and chatty and honest conversation with the brilliant Jess. I mentioned a few times within that episode that I am intending to sit down with an expert to talk more about kind of why trolling happens and how we can all work together to kind of help stop it, basically. But as I mentioned in the intro, that is something that has been delayed and I want to make sure that I am doing that conversation justice. Um, So there is a part two up for now, which is me sharing just from a personal perspective five of the things that have really helped me over the last year to kind of walk through this process. So I'd really encourage you, don't let your listening of this topic stop here. I'm continuing the conversation in episode number 157, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. I really appreciate this is a big topic. For many of us, it's a very hard and triggering topic. So if this has negatively affected you in any way, I would just encourage you kind of talk that out with someone, do the things that kind of help you to process those feelings, know that it is totally okay and so important to get professional support and help when that is something that you feel in need of. So that is it for this first part of the episode. I am so interested to hear your thoughts on this conversation. Um, So please don't hesitate once you've listened to part two uh, to come and share with me over on Instagram at Alice underscore Benham. But I'll leave you to go and listen to episode 157 and then I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday. 